And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. And our guest today is John Rossi. John is uh, a retired school teacher from the New York City school system. And if you've been listening and following the magazine, you know, we've interviewed several people in in the same situation who are also excellent photographers. And uh, John lives in Brooklyn, which once he starts to talk, you will know that immediately, right? Um, yeah. not, I'm from Brooklyn, but I'm, I'm living in Staten Island. But oh, I guess, okay. No, but I still speak Brooklynese. Okay. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I still speak hillbillyese, so, you know, <laughs> you can't, uh, I'm going to bring this up later anyway, yeah, right. from uh, something I just heard the other day from a fellow Brooklynite here, so. Um, so anyway, yeah, so John uh, was referred to us by Larry Rossiopo, who just published an article in the magazine, did a podcast with him. Uh, he's had a couple articles in the magazine. If you remember, he shoots sometimes the wide lux camera and probably about 200 other kinds of cameras. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they've known each other since, uh, since way back in the seventies. And, um, um, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, anyway, Larry said, you got to look at this guy's work. He did, did some amazing work, uh, particularly in little Italy. And once we saw it, we go, oh yeah, we got We got to get him on this classic, classic stuff. So anyway, John, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Yes. Great to be here. Yeah. We're glad to have you. Um, I guess before <clears throat> we get into things, just, just like, uh, give us a little of your background, you know, how you got into photography documentary photography and uh, you know just share your journey in well, five minutes or less well <laughs> in, in, in a minute i could tell you that i was a, a student in high school that hated school now uh and i got uh kind of turned on to uh, art and my girlfriend we got an old camera we figured out an adjustable active camera where there was no focusing. You had to set the f-stop, the shutter speed, uh, the, the film, one twenty size film, and I started doing that. And then when I went back to school my senior year, I became the kid with the photography. I started getting into publications, magazines, uh, yearbooks, and then I, I almost say from the age of sixteen until maybe now that we use uh, uh, the uh, telephones, I always had a camera with me. It was almost like relatives would say, do you go any place without that camera? Do you go to the bathroom with it? Do you go to sleep? You know, so I got so involved with taking pictures and documenting everything. Now, of course, most of the pictures weren't that, it were very hard to take with the lighting and the stuff. And you had to write, I used to have to write down little numbers and pads, but that's all in the past. But when I started going to uh, uh, college, I started getting more refined into looking at books, you know, and I think most of the things that in, in influenced me the most were photography books. So, I mean, you know, like uh, Walker Evans and uh, um, Robert Frank and stuff, and you're seeing what, what they were trying to express, you know, uh, going back to like uh, Reese, uh, uh, Lewis Hine, uh, all these old photographers, like what they were saying were, they were beautiful portraits, but there was, it was like a social thing, like, hey, wake up, look at these children. They're going into coal mines, you know, they're, they're dying of, of black lung. They didn't even know what it was at the time. 
and and it, it was a, a thing. And then we started. When I was in college, started getting into taking pictures. I even volunteered uh, working at a, a prison. Uh, that's Larry and I went up there a couple of times, and I was teaching photography there. And from there on in, it it was okay. Let, what what can I do with this? And I started teaching photography, uh, setting up dark rooms in uh, schools that uh, were in need. Mostly wound up with kids that had uh, special needs, or the kids hated everything, but they liked photography because they were able to um how would you say they were they were able to do something and feel worth like and there was a years ago you measured chemicals you measured timing uh you had to wait you had to be patient for that roll of film otherwise you're going to screw it up you know and, and mm -hmm. you took a picture and did a contact so that that's the that's was my really desire and i still have that thing and of course today now everybody wants to get into the act everybody has the uh, ability to take pictures are they good pictures I don't know, but that's a, that's something to determine. But years ago, you know, you took pictures and you only had a roll of film and you developed and stuff. Today, everybody, but I, I, I really don't see the same amount of great pictures. Maybe I'm not looking hard enough, but uh, every, every person today who has a, a phone has the ability to go out there and to become a photographer or do something of some kind of worth. You know, that's, that's, my, that's my opinion. You know, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, I, I don't know if it's easier or harder now. Maybe it's harder because everybody's taking pictures and you have to be very selective if you want to take a picture of a feast or take a picture of uh, Times Square or take a picture of uh, whatever, a flower. I guess that's about what I could say in, in less than in a couple of minutes there. So, <laughs> yeah, I've spoken too long. Okay. No, 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 no. That's fine. More of you and less of me is always mm. a good thing. And by the way, I'm losing my voice, so <clears throat> you're going to take over pretty soon. I got to say, well, yeah, just get a little hoarse. I don't know why. Uh, that there is something it's in my statement there that uh, my interest when I was in college, everybody'd say, well, you know, photograph something that's close to you. You know, mm -hmm. don't go to don't go to the moon and take pictures because you never lived on the moon. So yeah. the, the professors, uh, Walter Rosenblum and Bob DeLaSantis, said, well, photograph something that's close to you. Well, what was close to me is my father, my uncle, and my grandfather, my grandfather I never met, had opened up a, a shop in Little Italy uh, called E. Rossi and Company around 1910. And he was selling all these like pianola rolls because this is even before having regular 78 records. And he was selling... Uh, little uh, nativity sets that called Presibrios, you know, little Jesus and, and Mary and whatever. And it was a, a shop. Now, of course, I wasn't born until 52, but my father and my uncle, they had these stores. And if, when it came to Festa de San Gennaro, that was that one week in, um, in, in September, they would all have their little little uh, stands out there and people would sell watermelons and peppers and onions and, and sausage and and I used to go down there almost every every uh, every year for almost a week. I didn't sleep there. We took the train back to Brooklyn, the Brooklyn. And uh, when we got to Brooklyn, you know, we had to hurry up, go to sleep, go to school the next day, and then get dressed and hurry up, go down there and help sell coffee pots or, or uh, things. So when I was about 18, 19 in college, somebody says, well, you know, you should photograph more of the San Gennaro, take more of the saint, take more of the people. So that's when I started getting into that of taking those pictures. And uh, uh, then when I went for my master's, I actually did my master's 
which was zoned in on the, um, the the photographs of the feast, you know. And a very strange thing happened. Like in 72, 73, I had shown my pictures to somebody at Brooklyn College in an interview, and they said, hey, your pic, uh, you must have you must have copied those pictures from going to see Mean Streets with this guy named Rob Bobby De Niro. <laughs> And, and I says, I don't know what you're talking about. I really don't. And they said, well, you got to go. And I had to go down to the village where they were showing Mean Streets, like in 1973, 74. And I said, wow, son of a gun. Some of my pictures look like they were outtakes of the movie Mean Streets, you know. So, But that that's, that's, that's just, just a coincidence. But I kept on going. And I would say for the next 10 or 15 years, I did go down there religiously and photograph. And uh, recently, about 10 years ago, I put a show on at the Italian-American Museum and I made the postcards. So we took 11 or 12 images and made postcards that, you know, they could be sent out to people. And there were views that were all black and white. So anyway, that's what I would sum up as far as uh, uh, my commitment. Not that I don't photograph. I mean, like with Larry, a good friend of mine. Uh, I was in a show about Coney Island. Like we used to go down to Coney Island, which, which was close, and we'd go photograph the ruins of them ripping down the old, uh, uh, what is it, the, the tornado or whatever. And we would walk up and down the streets. And this was like not during the summer when people were on the beaches. Mm-hmm. It was like off the off hours, you know. And I remember Larry telling me once, he said, John, you know, uh, some of your pictures of the feast don't look like the feast. They look like uh, it was before or after. And I says, well, I go there in the morning. I stay there at night. And I don't only photograph just the saint. I go to photograph the people, who how they're participating at the feast. So it's almost from the outside looking in, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So I don't know if you want to ask me uh, some more important questions. I don't know. I'm just going on telling you about uh, my commitment um, as far as taking pictures. Now, of course, I do take pictures on occasion of other things, you know, and over the years I have taken, uh, should I say a wedding or a communion or somebody, oh, I got to take this picture of my oh. kids. Okay. I'll do it. Of course. So in the old days, you know, you, you, you kind of did that. Now I would say, well, I, I could do it, but I'd rather not unless it's like a cousin or a nephew or someone says, Hey, you know, got to take pictures of my sweet 16 or something like that, you know, or bar mitzvah or whatever. So anyway, yeah, the um, so you did an article that uh, what did I say? It's gonna it, it's coming out in October, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, this is coming out in October too. Um, called uh, Memories of Little Italy, mm-hmm. which is all about the the feast of San Gennaro, right? That's correct. You said now October. You gave me two dates: October sixth and October eighteenth. Oh, yeah, your podcast, this episode is scheduled to run on October 6th. Okay, that's good. And then uh, your article will drop in the magazine on the 18th. Uh-huh, very good. Scheduled to. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we're, we're recording this several weeks in advance. Sometimes that may slide by a week or so, but it's, it's mm-hmm. scheduled definitely for the October issue. But so, um, yeah, I... Uh, I I just love those photos. I mean, Larry first sent me some of your photos when uh, he said we need to talk to you. And I said, wow, mm-hmm. these are really cool. And you, you talk about mean streets and, and uh, uh, you know, some of the other, like, I hate to say mafia movies, but uh, <laughs> the movies of the Italian community in New York, 
Huh. And, uh, you know, they just look, I mean, of course they're real because that's where you were. Um, I, I, I never got to meet uh, Robert De Niro or Martin Scorsese, but everybody I know down on Mulberry Street who has stores yeah. tell me stories about, oh, well, Bobby De Niro used to hang out with so-and-so when he was living in the village. Huh. And, 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 and uh, everybody knew uh, Martin Scorsese's mother. You know, she's hanging out with the old ladies there, and she's she was in a couple of his movies. Uh, she she was in uh, a couple of the movies. Uh, yeah, uh, but, yeah, yeah, I don't remember. But and he also did a, a thing when he was in college, uh, a, a thing where he interviewed his mother and his father. And people said, "Oh, you never met them." And 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 so my my cousin, who still has a store down there, he's like seventy three years old. He's still like next to Ferrari's small store, selling the same uh, coffee pots and uh, Italian horns and uh, religious articles and saints. He says to me, you know, I I think uh, my mother said that uh, De Niro's mother, not De Niro's mother, uh, Mar Marty's mother used to come here and shop. I said, did you ever meet her? He goes, no. And then I said, what about De Niro? He goes, I think De Niro was in the store once, but I, 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 my father was there and I was downstairs. So everybody's always like just missing, not that you have to meet the person, but most people, when they meet you and they know you're from New York, they say, you must know so-and-so and you must know so-and-so. And you go, no, I don't know that person. So it's, it is small that uh, down there uh, that people do, need, do, do know each other. And now, of course, uh, most of the people are getting older and some of the People passing on, and uh, a lot of the stores are just closing. So it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I I haven't really photographed down there since uh, maybe four years ago, three years ago, or when COVID hit. I think they even canceled a feast, and they only canceled a feast once before, a 9/11 that year, because the uh, it was supposed to open September 12th, 13th, and then they postponed it or whatever. They canceled it, and two years ago they canceled I think one or two feasts. So I would say from 1926, there's only two or three feasts that have ever been canceled wow. down there. That's so. So uh, so anyway, I, I mean, I'd like to get back uh, to going around and photographing again. You know, uh, I mean, one of the things I mentioned in the um, the write up is there that people talk about how dangerous it is today. But you know, years ago you'd walk, you're in a on a uh, a train. And you had this big camera bag where you had a Nikon around your neck, if you know what Nikon was. And yeah. you had all these camera the, the things there. And if someone came along and said, give me your camera, and they told out a gun or something, you would say, well, I guess uh, I'm missing the camera. Of course, yeah. every, everybody said, no, you got to put it around your arm and you have to swing it. And you hit somebody in the head with a Nikon, you kill them. You know? But, anyway, <laughs> but yeah. I'm just saying that compared to then and now, uh, things have changed. And a lot of times things have not changed, you know. So uh, uh, it, it's uh, New York City is an interesting place in itself. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's called Fun City, but there's so many things going on, you know, and there's so many things to photograph or even to paint or to record or to whatever. So I'd like to take a quick break to thank the Street Photography Magazine subscribers for your support. We couldn't do this without you. You may have noticed that we don't sell advertising or sponsorships in the podcast or inside Street Photography Magazine itself. And that's because we want to be completely objective about the work we publish and the services and gear that we cover. Our only constituent is you, our listeners and readers. So if you like what we're doing, you can support the show by subscribing to Street Photography Magazine. It's only $5 per month, and you can do it by visiting streetphotographymagazine.com 
slash subscribe. And now back to the show. Since your day, I mean, it's become so gentrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly Manhattan. Well, even yeah. Brooklyn. Well, you know, like Times Square is now a, a Disney World. A Disney yeah. World, you know, it's like, <laughs> I remember going down there. Uh, um, <laughs> to run through it. I know. I remember going to a theater uh, when my wife graduated high school in 69. And we went to the, we took the train, we took the theater, we went to see the movie, and then we were going to go out to eat or whatever. And we were dressed up. I mean, you know, suit and tie. But it was like a, it was no prom in 1969 because of the protest and the war and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So we went out to eat. And, and, and these, these people, who was trying to sell me a Rolex that wasn't a Rolex, okay, on, on 42nd? And this other woman was selling me, putting, giving me a flower to give to your, to your wife yeah. or your girlfriend. And what she wanted money. And when you took out like a couple of dollars, she took the thing back and she wanted more than five dollars for like one rose. And this is like 1969. And then she gave me, you know, she gave me the finger and she cursed and screamed. <laughs> now I didn't have my camera with me. That's but, too bad. <laughs> but that, but that, but that's that's showing you the the temperament of the area. People go, oh, but I mean, now uh I guess about 10, 15 years ago, I went down there and every theater has got the Lion King and this person and mm -hmm. that one. And it, it is like that. And now now I think part of Little Italy is going to start becoming like Disney World too, because there's all these people selling uh, little things and little buttons and little 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 souvenirs, you know. So, but uh, but that but that's interesting. I I think that's what makes it. Uh, uh, someone should do a thing and say, okay, like you know, before and after. You know, I was always uh, um, I was always uh, how would you say it? I was always impressed. I think it was a Daily News. They used to have in their on their Sunday. They used to have like a, a mirror, a, a color section, and they would show New York's changing scenes. Mm -hmm. And they would show you a picture of like 1895, like with a horse and buggy, and somebody mm -hmm. getting like almost a kid running in front of. And then they would show you a, a modern, more modern picture of a trolley. And then they would show you, you know, a Cadillac in 1950 something driving. Mm -hmm. And it was before and after, or the bridge pictures. So I was I was always fascinated with like uh, uh, before and after, like with the with the the way Manhattan is. I think it's someone should do like you know different locations and different who photograph different areas and you know, different neighborhoods and stuff. So, but maybe so that much, should be you. Nah, you know what? <laughs> As I get older, it's kind of hard. Maybe I direct it. You know, I sit in a director's chair. Say, okay, good. You know, photograph those people over there. Photograph. You know, I mean, but for me to actually. Uh, do that. And you know what I find, and I'm going to say this now, uh, I was able with a Nikon FTN, which was a heavy camera, holding it still in most of my pictures. What was that? Someone just, is that stop? Is that, no, we're me? going. Keep going. Oh, something happened. I hope the machine didn't blow up. Uh, I was getting censored or something. Uh, I mean, people, <laughs> the, uh, Oh, my chain of thought there. Uh, what was the last thing I just said? You're talking about with your Nikon? Yeah. In, yeah, well, a, a Nikon, Nikon was a heavy camera. It's about five pounds, I believe. And you, know, you can walk around with a tripod, but lots of times the regular Tri-X for the photographers out there, at 400 without pushing it to speed, you you were able to maybe, I was able to handhold the camera at maybe like an eighth of a second at like F2 or something. You know, focusing it or holding it steady. I find now with this uh, smartphone, uh, stuff half the stuff comes out blurry. If you don't hold it, maybe I'm shaking, but you hold it, it slick it, and then you move it, and then it takes the picture. So it's always like a delay on these these uh, uh, things. You have to get used to. It. I guess like everything else. Yeah. 
but you know what? It's funny. It's like I, I think that some of my old pictures that I handheld right, at night seem to be sharper. And of course, I developed them in black and white, and I de de uh, took time to develop them and hang them up and look at contact sheets. That was one of the things that Larry and a lot of photographers would we used to do is hang out and look at contact sheets with a loop, you know? Yeah. And, and, and then you'd circle it and say, man. And then, like, now I have, uh, I hate to brag, but I have like 50,000 images that I had photographed, you know, and I had them all numbered and stuff like that of every, and I go back through the contacts and I say, oh, wow, that's a good picture. I never printed that. And I circled it in 1982. And now, now we're over here. Maybe I should go back. So I was telling Larry one day, I said, you know, we have to get, have a thing where we just sit around and look at, you look at my contacts. I look at your contact and that's say, so hey, good. You know, you never printed that. And I, ah, I didn't think it was that good, you know, and then something else came up where you, you took a better picture the following day of somebody, you know, over uh, another, another thing, you know, and that, that's what the, uh, I think what keeps things going and keeps it fresh. You know, uh, someone says to me, well, you know, with the digital, you could take like 30, 40 pictures and you could erase 30, 40 times. You know, I said, I know you could take a picture, boop, 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 boop. You know, it was like almost having, a. uh, uh, what was the uh, a motor drive years ago that was a big thing you know if you were a fashion photographer mm -hmm. you put a motor drive on the nikon ftn and you took somebody dancing or whatever and you got all those pictures and then you know you only used one or two you know with the old days was a roll of 36 and you, you were very very you didn't go out with too much film like i think uh normally if you just want to walk around it would take one or two rolls of 36 and if you took the first roll, it was okay. The second, the third one, you say, hey, wait a second, you're overdoing it. You know, you could calm down. You know, you say to yourself, calm down, John. Just take that many. Let's see. <laughs> go develop them, see what goes on. Then you want to go back to that scene or write down in a notebook. That was a good image or that was a good poster or that was a good scene, you know. And uh, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of um, documenting and writing down and thinking about it and then going ahead and really being very decisive. So uh, when I when I taught photography, I used to tell the students and say, uh, you, you, let me see the, the other pictures before and after. And they go, but I like this one. And I said, yeah, but that one's blurry. That one, the composition is not that great. And they would say, I'm not writing. The kids just tell me, I'm not writing. Compositions for writing. I said, yeah, huh. we use the word composition, but composition means you're, how you compose the pictures. You put the pieces together, you know. So anyway, that's uh, so I'm, I'm an old school photographer like that in trying to put stuff together. I really don't like just taking 100 pictures and say I'm only going to use one. But someone told me once, uh, Bob Delisandri says, you know, you take 36 pictures on a roll. You take a couple of rolls every every uh, every day. He goes, uh, if you can get 12 pictures, 10 pictures, good pictures, worthy pictures a year. And everybody said mm -hmm. that. I said, then that's not too many. I mean, you know, that would mean I only have like 20 good pictures in two years. He says, yeah, but if you can keep on doing this for 40 or 50 years, which I am and, and Larry is, and it's true. You know, you, you, you'd be very selective. And if I went through and I said, okay, five of these, five of those, two of those, and there are pictures and stuff. Not, and, but you have to realize that there are, you're going to miss other, if you keep on going looking at the old pictures, you're never going to get to the new photographs. You're never going to get to the, to the crux of it, you know, which would be, uh, uh, you're not taking pictures today because you're too, too busy re with heating uh, cold potatoes, you know, the old stuff, you know, <laughs> but, but I, but, but, you know, and I, I think you, you have to, you have to combine the old stuff and the new stuff, you know, uh, 
and and, and see. And 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 um, I have to put this thing in an interview. Uh, in the 1970s, when I was in Little Italy, and they were doing that, uh, a group called the Little Italy, it was Lira, and it was Little Italy Restoration. They were redoing the buildings. I met an, a, a, an older gentleman who's, who's gone many years now. His name was Andy Marino. Uh, they call him TJ. He was the dean at New York Institute of Photography, which was a very old established place mm-hmm. somewhere on 32nd Street, you know. And very soft-spoken, great guy. And he like adopted me. And he said to me, "Let me see your pictures. Those pictures should be on exhibit at the um, um, at Stabile's uh, bank over there in the window." But of course, they didn't want to do that. Thirty years later, my pictures were in the window over there. It's just a coincidence again. But he used to say something, and I guess you can't see, but I'm going to move my hand back and forth from left to right. You can see it, but the the people on the podcast can't. He used to say, a picture has this or it doesn't. And I'd say, Andy, what are you talking about? He goes, that picture has it. That picture doesn't. <laughs> and I, I look at my pictures and I'd say, well, how do I know which one has, you know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, it has it or it has it. And uh, later on, you know, uh, years later, when I was teaching in a school, and most of the students I had were like between the age of seventeen or sixteen and twenty-one, and I would tell them that, and they'd say, hey, "Mr. Rossi, what you smoking?" You know, and I'm not smoking anything because I'd say, you know, <laughs> the picture's gotta have it, you know, man. And then little by little, other kids would tell other kids, "Man, they didn't say you, you." That other kid, that other, one kid said, "Another kid, your, your work sucks." No, they said, "No, it's got it, man, it's got it." And they go like that with their hand, and it was funny, you know. I was in a couple of different schools. And I, I don't know, I haven't seen, most of these students are like 40, 50 years old now because I'm 71 and um, maybe even older. And uh, they started getting to realize that some, sometimes it has it and sometimes it doesn't, you know, you know, sometimes it has the charisma or it has the bite or it means something. And, and uh-huh. one of the things I always thought of, if you can take a picture that means something to you and another person looks at it and it means something to them, it's like a song, you know. You know, some people, oh, I love that song. It's their wedding song or this song. In a photograph, they can look at it and they can relate to it, whether it be a picture of a mother and a child or a kid walking down the street or a person on a bicycle, and it turns them on, then your picture was successful in in in, in getting to them, even though they're not people. Now, of course, on the other hand, years ago, my dad, who I loved, and my uncle, when I used to walk around Little Italy and and have uh, take pictures and my uncle used to say hey johnny boy are you looking <laughs> for trouble are you looking for trouble or is trouble looking for you and he said, you better be careful and i said why are they going to rob my camera he goes no he was telling me that there were so-called wise guys they may break your camera you know like in the godfather they throw a thing down they step on the the, the few camera that was in godfather at the, the, the wedding and uh i would say well uh no i and then I print the pictures, and lots of times I would print pictures and give them to the people who didn't know I took their pictures. Like mm-hmm. I have an old elderly guy in front of the, a picture of the saint, you know. And then I, I showed it to my father. He goes, "Oh, that's Mr. Esposito," and that was like he knew his father or somebody, you know, my grandfather's friend. So I go there and give him a picture, and the guy goes, "How much you want?" I go, "Nothing." He goes, "You want a glass of wine?" I go, "No, no, no, I don't want a glass of wine. Thank you." You know, at that time you can drink at eighteen, but you know, I, I was probably seventeen. I was eighteen. And I said, okay, good. And then I would say, uh, what, uh, 
I would give him the picture. And then my, my uncle would say, oh, that's a good idea. Then my father would look at the picture and go, hey, these are nice, but you know these people? I don't know. He goes, why'd you take a picture of that old couple in front of my, my store? You know, there's a picture, there's a, I think one of the pictures I have mm -hmm. on the thing. I know which one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And it's like a saint in the back and his dishes. Yeah. That's that's right outside of 120, it's on Hester Street, 127 Mulberry Street. And the people were there, and to me, that's everybody's grandmother and grandfather. I mm -hmm. never knew my grandfather. You know, my, my father, was, uh, my grandfather died in 1940 or something. And uh, my father would say, I maybe, no, I said, don't, they're, they're probably somebody took the bus. They just came from Philadelphia. I don't know. But he would start realizing that the pictures that I was taking was not necessarily people. Uh, like I took people of, I call it the gargoyles, the human gargoyles on top mm -hmm. of the roof. They were yep. watching the procession. They're watching the grease pole. You know, they don't have that no more. They used to have a grease pole down there where it was three or four stories and it was all tied up. It was a large, uh, I guess, uh, what do you call it, pole? Uh, telephone pole. And over the years, they would put like cans of grease, actually really grease from the can. And they would put it up and they would have different teams. And like, let's say it was like Broom Street team and Ken Mayer and stuff. And the team had to make like up 10 guys. And the first one was always the worst because they had a one guy had to hug the pole <laughs> and then a climb. And then they all went down. And half the time, they used to wear layers and layers of clothing because the grease got crazy and they would throw it into the crowd and people would scream. Now you got people there in, in the audience or in the so-called outer thing with like uh, uh, minx, not mink stalls, but dressed up, you know, not Gucci, but you know, dressed up very well. Yeah. And the grease is flying up all over. And the thing was at the top of the, uh, the pole, it would be like a, a maginette, a little coffee pot, a couple of chestnuts, uh, a couple of totone, you know, different things. And I think there was like a, a, a $100 bill. Now, years ago, a $100 bill was worth a lot of money. So if a, a team got that, they got $10 each and the other people got nothing. But it was entertaining, you know. So anyway, the thing with the uh, people looking, the goggles, they were watching the, the pole. And I was downstairs and I photographed them and people always say, what are they looking at? I said, well, they, where are the pictures of the poll? The pictures of the poll were not as interesting as the people watching the show, yep. know, watching watching the procession, watching the saint go around and stuff like that. So um, let's see. I don't know what else uh, I could tell you about that. but uh, Yeah. These festivals, there's festivals like this everywhere. Uh-huh, yeah. And in, when I lived in Cleveland, uh, we had Little Italy, not mm -hmm. nearly like your Little Italy. But we had the Feast of the Assumption, uh -huh. August August 15th, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Huge, huge event. And I always kick myself for not photographing it. But, uh, but uh, you know, it, was, it brought the community together. People came from all over. And like you, they, they had the procession with the, with the, uh, uh, with Virgin Mary through town and brought her right to the you know, right right to the church and uh and then people just partied like crazy got into <laughs> fights you know you <laughs> name it i don't know if it was like that uh like that in your festival but but before we started you were telling me about something that uh that they do in new york uh for for the feast of the assumption we just call it the feast you know Matter of fact, I ran into it. I was in Greece just a couple of weeks ago. We get off, get off in Crete. No, it wasn't Crete. It was Rhodes, the island of Rhodes, walking to town, and they're carrying the Virgin Mary through the 
mm-hmm. through the town. Yeah. I go, wow, I can't believe it. We just ran into the feast deer. So apparently she supposedly ascended into heaven somewhere in Greece. Yeah. Or was it Ephesus? I don't know. Anyway, I'm not Catholic, so I and well, I and, and all, all the water, all the lakes and the waters were blessed. So that was the thing. Yeah, that's it. You know, so if, uh, of course that's an island and uh, what we yeah. So and that was a, a religious thing of everybody going there and the um uh I mentioned before, before we started, I said that when I was a little kid, August 15th was my mother, my grandmother, everybody used to go down to Coney Island. And not that they put their bathing suits and swimming, they used to put their feet in the water because the the water was blessed by the Blessed Mother on August 15th. Now, that could have been any day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but any. Yeah. But that was a big thing. And they would have like a procession. They even had like these mock weddings where the people got married under the boardwalk, which was now, of course, 1962. I'm listening to uh, Under the Boardwalk. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and and these people are singing and dancing. They had accordions, uh, maracas and, and bongos and stuff like that. And as a little kid, I'm going, wow, this is this is like outrageous. Of course, when I got older, another time Larry and I went down to uh, we used to go several times we'd go down to uh um Coney island take pictures of the ruins i'd say uh that when they were knocking down parts of uh the the, the um the, not the i don't want to say cyclone it's still there it was a tornado and and there were a couple of different roller coasters and uh little by little they started knocking stuff down you know i mean uh, uh steeplechase was no longer there by 1964 65. so i would say in the 70s there was a lot of transition down there, and a lot of people were still going down there. You know, so. um, yeah, you, you said something earlier that sparked uh, something I just just heard not too long ago. You're you're talking about being, you know, being from Brooklyn or wherever. Yeah, and just I mean, just the other day I was listening to the B and H podcast, and they're interviewing Bruce Gilden, uh-huh. the, the uh, street photographer, and. He's from Brooklyn, uh-huh. and he said something. I'm trying to. I, I, I wish I could say it exactly like he did, but basically, you can't be something that oh. you're not. You know, you're from Brooklyn, or you're from Alabama, or you know, whatever it happens to be. That that's what you are, and you can, you know, you can move from Brooklyn to Los Angeles oh, and yeah. try to I, be. I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. They, they and, you know, you, you could take the kid out of Brooklyn. Yeah, but you can't take Brooklyn out of the kid. Yeah. Oh no, wait, right, right. That's it, right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that—that's people will constantly always saying that, and online and in Facebook, people always saying, you know, uh, where did you wind up? And you know, someone says, oh, I was in Alaska. I'm over here. I'm over there. And they're saying, yeah, but but we say Brooklyn, and Brooklyn goes back to like those old movies in the 1940s with William Bendix when they yeah. were in the war. Hey, where you from? I'm from Brooklyn. You know, I <laughs> I, I, I think it. I think Frank Sinatra in, in Here to Eternity was the kid uh, Maggio from Brooklyn too, or something. You know, he yeah. wound up getting uh, so every Brooklyn is just that uh, Brooklyn USA thing. You know, there's no other thing other than Brooklyn. Now, uh, I think Chicago might be like that, and there are other towns and stuff like that. But but Brooklyn does have that kind of um, um, reputation, should I say? Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting, but you know, but I think that applies to anybody, no matter where you're from. You're just right. that. That's wherever you grew up i mean that that's your core and you mm-hmm. can't escape it mm-hmm. 
So I think as a photographer, you might as well use it. Mm -hmm. So you, um, do you plan to go back to the, to the, the feast this year? I don't know. You know, it's been gone for a while because of COVID. Yeah. Well, last year they did it, but I I heard it was kind of a, kind of a slow, you know, a a lot of things, but, 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 but you know what, last year, a lot of places put up their outside stands, you know, like they had a restaurant. And years mm-hmm. ago, you know, maybe some restaurants, they wanted to get you inside, you know, to spend the money and then have a little stand outside where you could have a little wine and cheese and a sausage and pepper. Yeah. But now they've been keeping those stands out all the time. So now uh, everybody's talking about like a big comeback this year. I'd like to get down there. I mean, it's kind of, you know, I'm in Staten Island and uh, to drive there is crazy to take the ferry and, and uh, public transportation and uh you know, having health issues and stuff like that. It took me two hours to go, two hours to come, you know, uh, wow. about a week, about a, about a week ago, we took like an Uber and the Uber said, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go that way. You know? And you know what? They did this and they got me there very fast, you know, but uh, they, they surcharged this and surcharged that, you know, it was going over the bridge and taking their thing and taking the tunnel, you know, it was, it was good and bad, but uh, you know what? Years ago, if you lived in, in Brooklyn, you just got on the subway, you know, it was a, a, a ride mm-hmm. and, you, you, you know, you, you took your life in your hands if you thought your camera was going to get robbed and you took pictures and stuff like that. Or years later, if you had a car, you knew where to go, like off the Bowery where no one wanted to be, you know, because people were drinking at the Bowery and you park your car somewhere over there, which was good. You know, now, now it's like you, you could, you could go, I would like to go, you know, uh, like for the day. But, you know, like Saturday and Sundays are crazy down there. And like, it's like you're better off going on an off day and you could still photograph the back scenes. And it's like, I'm always, I was always a photographer that would photograph the alleyways. I have a couple of pictures of the courtyards and the backyards and, and the top of the, where the people had the laundry and stuff like that, or even some of the greasy grease that was on the floor, you know, they would just pour it down into the ground and uh, you would be walking through the, the piece and you, your feet would be sticking to the ground. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. But, but you know, you take pictures of people and it's raining and everything. And it, it's beautiful. Some of, some of the stands being lit up, you know. But now well, everything is regulated. I think there, there has to be a curfew. Like at 11 or 12 o'clock, they shut the lights down where they say no more, you know, police protection or whatever. Years ago, the old feast used to go on to like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Hmm. I remember I remember as a kid, like on a Saturday or Sunday night with my parents waiting on Canal Street and uh, not getting home until 3, 3.30. And then next morning, getting ready, like Sunday morning to go back there and go sell some more stuff and, and, and work it out and stuff like that. Now, I think everything is OK. It's over. And of course, it is regulated. Years ago, they had beer and wine. No more beer and wine unless you go into the, the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And uh now they got all these other different things, coladas and stuff like that, all the sweet drinks and stuff like that. And uh, years ago, they said peaches and wine. And then I think if, you, if you're going to sell beer, you need a license for like 10 days. I don't know if they still do that. You need like a beer license. Not that I ever sold beer. But, you know, it was getting kind of crazy. We're afraid there was going to be a problem. I would say like that in the 80s and the 90s, they started regulating it, you know. So, so But now it, it's kind of interesting. I would like to... I would like to go back. And uh, of course, I don't know any people who live upstairs because one of the things is always to go on top of the roof or to go shoot pictures off a fire escape, you know, and looking down, you know, mm-hmm. rather than just being pushed around and, and the thing. 
I, I would like, I think it's worth another chance to this year, at least try to get down there one day. I don't know about 10 days. I think because years ago, I used to go down there like almost uh, five or seven. When I was in college, I would be there. I don't know. I think one, one year, I think I shot a hundred rolls of 36. Wow. I don't know what year it was, like maybe <laughs> 76 or 77. And uh, and there was a lot. There's a lot of pictures, and, and a lot of the pictures that I did use in the um, the postcard set, and the ones that are going to be in the, um, the thing that they're doing there, um, were um, there's a lot of uh, should I say winners? You know, you look at back at the postcard. And, oh wow, that was 1970 in the same year, in the same year, and it was like it was taking so many pictures, and I didn't have a motor drive, and I most of the time I didn't even use a flash. I just walked around with a camera once in a while i'd walk around with a tripod and i was always afraid that if i put a tripod in the crowd and someone tripped i was either gonna get my again sued or the society was gonna get sued or someone's gonna punch me in the nose so i'd say okay you know what let me see how steady i can stay you know if someone stands there i could put the camera at their head and use their head their body for a camera you know it sounds <laughs> kind of bizarro but but I would do stuff like that rather than take a chance and bring too much apparatus with me and stuff like that. Yeah, in a crowd, that's hard, especially carrying a tripod around. Yeah. 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 So um, are you doing anything right now? Are you, are you, are you shooting around Staten Island or um, not, family not, stuff? Not, or what? Not, not really. I mean, you know, I put the TV on and there's protests for the migrants and there are people screaming about this and that. I mean, I should go there with my camera and take some pictures. And then they would say, you know, you looking for trouble? Or, you know, what are you no, doing? It's looking for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like, but then again, like I was, I, I watch people all day. And if I drive around, I could see nine out of 10 people are looking at their phones yep. and they're walking in front of cars. They're almost getting hit, and then they scream it at you, and you got to honk your horn, and they, and they and they go, "What's the matter?" And, you know, you're looking. <laughs> so I mean, may, maybe if you get into filming, where you're going to film these people, you know, constantly walking all and stuff like that. So I mean, there are there are a lot of projects I think uh, I, I should do, you know, um, um, besides going uh, through my old negatives and stuff like that, you know. Well, you I know, don't know. Don't. Uh, don't don't, wait. Uh, yeah. don't put that off. You know, you've got you've got some. I'm sure there's gold in there. You might as well. Yeah, do I, that's I, a great I, idea. Getting together with somebody else and looking at each other's yeah, contact, contact sheets. Sheet. Yeah, one of one of my friends who's uh, going to be retiring soon. He's a youngster. He's like five years younger than me. Um, he he works at Brooklyn College. He teaches, and uh, I think I gave him your name and whatever. His name is Ed Coppola, and. Um, he, he always says to me, you know, John, get your negatives every week. Come one day, spend the whole hour and just, you know, scan them. So this way you're making them into digital. Yeah. And this way it's so much easier. You don't have to go back into the dark room and, you know, with the, the mm -hmm. developer and the paper and stuff, which he's right. Because I was in a show with, um, with Larry uh, all about in 2015 and we had uh, Coney Island and they only want digital. So I had to go to Brooklyn College, get some of my Coney Island pictures, which I had, which I call paper, paper, art copy, mm -hmm. 11 by 14s were beautiful. And I said, no, 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 you got to get go to the negative. And we had to get the negative and we, we worked on the negative and did it digitally. And then we printed it and put it in a thing. And we had a show uh, called Coney Island. There were several Coney Island shows in 2015. 
And after I did that, it took a lot of work. And I said to, I said, you know, it's easy. It's going to be easier than when you first learned how to use, develop a stop bath and fix it, mm-hmm. you know, and you used to burn and dodge. Now you can do whatever you want on a, on a, on a, on a thing. It's, it's much easier. You know, you can lighten up or darken up something. I think there was a getting talking about Coney Island. I had a picture of um, uh, grandma's prediction. It's a statue that goes back and forth. And then a card comes out with your fortune and you're supposed to stand uh-huh. in this booth you know and uh, there was this terrible round fluorescent light the one like your grandmother had in in her bathroom <laughs> or something yeah and it always looked terrible and i always says well you know it's a halo you know and over the years that was one of the pictures we put in the show and uh ed said to me you know we're going to lighten it up i said what are you going to do and he said i could take the whole fluorescent light out and put it somewhere else i could darken it it's okay so we, basically, he was doing was burning and dodging. Yeah, through the computer, mm-hmm. and it looks beautiful. You know, it was printed. And I look at that picture and look at my picture, and I said to him, "But my picture looks more religious because the halo is brighter." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, so talking about the different things and doing it, uh, I find that when I had a, I have an Nikon Digital, I've taken less pictures with that now than I do with my phone. So, but there's something about having a camera in your hand and not the phone that gives you a certain kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can relate to that. I can. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And a lot of people that are not photographers are going to say, you're out of your mind. You know, uh, I still had relatives saying, Johnny, do you ever go any place without that camera? You know, and I say, something may happen. Something may be interesting. And they always thought like I was waiting for an accident scene or someone to fall. You know, and, and some crazy thing, you know, it's like, um, um, unfortunately, uh, I, I should throw this in uh, on September 11th, uh, 2021. I was in a school in lower Manhattan, um, about two miles from the World Trade Center. And I had brought my camera because that day or that afternoon, they were going to have uh, open the feast of San Gennaro, tying it back into the feast was supposed to be. Uh, they were going to have the cannoli eating contest. I don't know if they still do that anymore. Everybody's getting diabetes just watching the show. <laughs> and uh, they had, uh, I was there with my camera. And one of the people there said to me during the lunch of a break, uh, I think, well, what are you doing with your camera? Are you taking pictures? I said, yeah, I'm going to go down the feast. You know, my uncle has a store down there. They're going to have the cannoli contest, blah, 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 blah. This was on September 11th. Okay. And all of a sudden, while we're there, Everybody's going up to the roof, and they said that a plane crashed into one of those big buildings down there, right? I holy shit! So I went up with my camera, and I took I took a couple of pictures. I took one picture, and then while I was taking the second or third picture, another plane hit the yeah. other building. Now you got to remember, I was a mile and a half away. Yeah, man. there were blurry pictures. I was nervous, and I said to someone, "I'm getting the hell off here. Yeah. If they're crashing planes, and we're going to be." So I ran, I was chicken. I ran down and then nobody's phone worked. Everything was disconnected. It was like, it's all we heard was sirens and sirens. And of course, occasionally people would say to me, you got those pictures? You know, I I blew them up to eight by 10, but they're the kind of pictures that you really don't want to show off. It's like, yeah, I, I photographed it. And, and to get out of New York was terrible. I walked over the, um, the Williamsburg Bridge. Mm-hmm. and stuff like that and i wound up in williamsburg and people were panicking and everybody was going different places and there was all these uh religious groups giving you water like bottled water 
and it was it was it was it was really uh, everybody's got a story but mine relates to the photographs and someone says well did you take more pictures of the people i know i wanted to, i wanted to hurry up and get home anyway i wound up winding up in my cousin's in brooklyn's house and was going to sleep there because there was no verrazano bridge to pick you up and then at 10 o'clock at night uh the phones were working tv my wife came and picked me up from brooklyn otherwise i i could have been stranded in manhattan or even yeah. in brooklyn but just to get to staten island was was a long chalk and there were people that couldn't get on the boats everybody was trying to get on the on the ferry boat which was uh which was better than anything. but uh <clears throat> to, to to wrap up what i'm saying is that i i used to say you know photography is is a very important thing it tells you um you're documenting you're telling a story and stuff like that and uh in, in a split second that sometimes you can't reproduce again ever again in that one instance so i used to tell people you know if you see something think about it compose it take a picture record it record it record it and stuff like that you know so it makes you know. sense yeah you know, i told my students once i says you know uh you people are actually related and i showed like how the other half lived with uh reese you know the pictures of the uh the, uh, the pictures taken in the coal mines and how the other half lived and they said why i says because that photographer his student was lewis hine lewis hine started the photo league i think in the 30s and one of his students was walter rosenblum walter rosenblum started the photo league and when I went to Brooklyn College, Walter Rosenblum was on, ready to retire. He was like on a sabbatical, but I did study class with him. So, and then I studied with Bob D'Alessandro, who also was a student of Walter Rosenblum. And I said, mm -hmm. well, now the students, you're my students. So basically your students going back to how the other half lived with, with Reese and, and stuff. And the, the, kid, the kids used to, the kids, the teenagers, they were, they 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 enjoyed that i told them that and that that, yeah. that there was there was a connection you know and i told them photography is important because uh if if they didn't invent photography in 1839 we wouldn't have had uh, films and we wouldn't have movies and videos and stuff so all of that and i said also now i haven't been teaching now in 15 years but but now since the phone that's a, a another invention so now we got the combining of the phone and the um that's why I say I fool around. I say mute your phone. You know the uh, the old-fashioned telephone. You know, and now we have everything in one one little thing, one little pad. It's a telephone. It's it's everything. You know, so but I I think people have to get out there and instead of just posing. You know, hey man, here's a selfie. Here's a selfie. You know, it's a, the funniest thing I think was about ten years ago. Everybody had a selfie stick, and if you were in Coney Island, they'd say you can't use a selfie stick. And I said something. What's a selfie stick? And they said it's this tripod it's like a, an antenna and you put your phone there this way you could stand next to anybody and take a picture and they'd say no none of that they don't want you to go on a cyclone with that you wind up poking someone's eye out or whatever so but uh you know to, to, a very interesting thing with photography i think photography is I, I would say is my life you know i mean i've been dealing with the uh pictures since i was a little kid my mother taking pictures of me dressed up as anything from zorro to superman to getting into it about the age of 16 17 and really never given up i mean i've slowed down but i still like to go out and sometimes take pictures you know well john well thanks yes thank I really you appreciate for, you being you. with us. i appreciate your story i love I, your work 
and uh, I'm really honored to be picked. And and I got to yeah. thank Larry again. I've seen some of his stuff, and I I, I uh, was going to send him an email, but I rather call him on the phone and say, "Hey, talk the talk, hey Larry." So, you know, he went to one time. He says, "Hey, what do you want, Sazich?" And I'd say, "Hey, pictures. Some of the early. I saw some of his early pictures, like when he just got out of college or something. Before we got into, I don't know, when he was in the Peace Corps or something. Some of those pictures are great. I'm going to tell him. You know, I, I, I love those pictures more than some of your later pictures. You know, it, it, a certain, um, a certain, a certain innocence of taking those pictures. You it's know? got this. Yeah, it, it, it has that." <laughs> I'm going to tell I, him. I'm waving my hand back. And yes, forth. yes. It, it has it or it has. I'm going to tell him. Say, Larry, your picture's got this. And he's going to tell me. He's going to say, John, what the hell are you talking about? You're on the phone. What are you? Are you crazy? Are you senile? And I'm going to say, yes, yeah, some of your pictures have it. Some of those old pictures, you know, we have to get together and have a, a contact day, you know, eh, contact. That's a good day. First, last contact, first contact of us showing contact pictures, you know, and seeing the outtakes, you know. People always show pictures of the Beatles when they're before and after and this and so. Sure. Yeah, you know. But uh, I, th I think it's worth doing it. And I, I, I used to tell people, keep on clicking, you know, right? Keep on clicking. That, that, that was the, that was, I used to tell the students, keep on clicking, man. Keep on clicking. I and like they, they, they used to laugh. I hope some of them are still laughing. Some of them are still thinking of some of the things I told them about photography and it got them to do something or to like school better. And of course, I always say, I hated school, and then I became a teacher for 30-something years. Ah, that's great. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Okay, and thank you, Bob. Uh, thank you for this. Uh, should I say Bobcast? Can I say that now? <laughs> I'm going to patent it. Uh, you patent it. All right, a Bobcast. Bobcast. Okay. I'm also a Bobcat. Because I went oh, to Ohio University. It was Ohio oh, University really? Bobcats. Yeah. All right. Okay. So it's a Bobcat. It's a, it's a Bobcast with Bobcat from uh, on, the, on the podcast. That's it. Your thoughts about the show go a long way in helping us decide on the guests and the subjects that we include in each episode. So please take a few moments to write a review in Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to stream your podcasts. It helps us know if we're on the right track, and it helps others to find and enjoy the show. The editor of Street Photography Magazine is Ashley Refo, and our audio engineer is Russell Boyd from WeBit Studios, found at webitstudios.co.uk. I'm Bob Patterson, and this is the Street Photography Magazine podcast, a service of Street Photography Magazine. Street Photography Magazine.